0: Well, hi, everyone. This is Lori LeBay with Alzheimer Speaks, and I'm thrilled you're able to join us today. We're going to have a great conversation about coping with dementia and um, being shared by our expert some effective solutions for family uh, care partners out there. The dilemmas are strong and heavy, and we're here to help. And so before I introduce our guest, I always, again, just like to do some shout-outs. And first and foremost, I want to shout out to the Mark Arneson Band for allowing us to use their song clearing call as our opening music. You can download that on any of your favorite music platform. And if you're new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations with with real people all over the world at all ages and stages. And so our goal is really to raise the voice and connect people to services, products, and tools. So maybe, just maybe, you can be one of our next guests. Just reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. Now, if you haven't had a chance to check out our updated website at Alzheimer Speaks. Please do so. I am so proud of this site the way it turned out. In fact, we have one whole page dedicated to multiple types of things that can help you. So go to our free educational resources page. There you will find out about um, Dementia Quick Tips, Dementia Chats, Memory Cafes, Becoming Dementia Friendly, and just so much more. You'll also be able to connect to our poetry and articles, uh, find out about the Purple Angel Project and Dementia in the Arts, which is fabulous to see what people living with dementia are producing and how it makes them feel. You'll also be able to get to Dementia Map, which is our global resource directory with over 150 different categories that you can search. I also want to shout out to Saltbox TV. Many people still don't know about this free online streaming service that is absolutely fabulous. So it was designed specifically for seniors. Check out SaltboxTV.com. And there is um, still time to check. Oh, I take that back. Moss Ventures. Closed uh, for its seed money to 50 to 100 thousand. So you're going to have to wait until next year to find out information on that. But you can also go to on our free information um, education information page. You can go to public events and you'll be able to find out about a couple of support groups uh, that I do. One is virtual. Um, And that's on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. Another is in person here in Minnesota in Shoreview uh, with Brookdale Senior Living on the last Wednesday of each month. So Um, Check those out, and then if you're looking for something to do this summer, the Memory Camp is open at Moon Beach in Wisconsin from August 15th to the 18th. You can call for more information at 715-479-8255 to get information on that. That's for people living with dementia as well as their families to just have a really enjoyable
1: I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients but i do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier safer option with transfers i would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox it's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with parkinson's or dementia CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients or therapists adapting to client and caregiver specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the footbar walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it.
0: Well, hi, everyone. We are back, and it's time to introduce you to our guest today. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation. We are going to be talking with Rosemary DeCure McCowan, and she is a geriatric care consultant, which they're hard to come by, specializing in dementia care coaching, advocacy, and family mediations. She is also the author of Coping with Dementia Effective Solutions um, to Family Caregiving Dilemmas. And Rosemary, of course, is also a speaker and lecturer as well. So welcome, Rosemary. How are you doing today? Thank you, Lori. I'm great. Well, that's good. Um,
2: Whereabouts are you located? So our audience
0: can know. Southern,
2: sunny Southern California.
0: Okay, well nice. I'm up in Minnesota. So we're we're not uh, we're probably not as sunny as you are all the time, but we also don't have a lot of the things that you have to deal with, with your fires and things. So welcome to the show. I, I was so appreciative of you sending me your book so that I could kind of peruse that uh, prior to the call. It's, it's just loaded with great, great information. But before we kind of start um, getting into our discussion, I always like to ask every guest if they've been personally touched by dementia within their own family or circle of friends.
2: Yes, I have been touched by it with my own mother, who was essentially in pretty good health, but a little too sedentary. And she had tiny TIAs, um, vascular stroke, that resulted in wiping out her short-term memory. And this was a bit of a shock to the family. Of course, she was very astute, very bright, very capable. And interestingly, as it often happens with dementia, certain parts of her functioning were untouched. She could still play a piece of music on the piano beautifully. She was capable of certain types of things. But if you asked her five minutes after she had a full meal if she'd had breakfast, she would stare at you and say, I don't think so. So, yes, it was a whole journey where I had to put into practice what I'd learned on the job and try out my theories with my own mom. And my dad, who was in his 90s, had to learn a completely new way of thinking about his wife, interacting with his wife, and caring for his wife. And she had been the one who would kept things together in many, many ways. So the whole family had a lot to learn. Wow.
0: Um, I like so many. Um, that is pretty common that we all have a lot to learn when it comes to this. That is absolutely for sure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what motivated you to write the book? My guess is, it started with the family and what you went through. Actually,
2: ironically, before Mom uh, got her dementia diagnosis and before she was showing signs, she was editing for me and discussing. The uh, rough draft of what I was writing, and so that made it especially touching to me that she had been a, a real part of that process. I I wanted to write the book because I kept putting together little short speeches and talks and. I'd converse on the phone a great deal, of course, with clients or in person about this subject, answering the same questions, which seem to be universal. And I thought, for heaven's sake, put it all together, this in a book. Take everything you've learned over the years and condense it, make it make it concise but very comprehensive, and let's just coalesce this whole thing.
0: And that's how the book came about. Okay. Okay. Well, that is wonderful. Who who did you write the book for? Is it specific to family caregivers, professionals, those diagnosed, or is it is it open to really everyone?
2: You know, the book is something that anyone who comes in contact with human beings can use, <laughs> because when I give a lecture, I will look out at the audience and I'll say, okay, who in your immediate set of family, friends, your, your close circle is dealing with dementia? And mm-hmm. a lot of people will raise their hands. And then I'll say, okay, now in the broader scope, someone you know at the gym, someone you encounter at church, an acquaintance, a casual friend through work. How many of you have talked to someone who has confided in you that they are struggling with managing a loved one with dementia? Just about all the hands in the room go up. So, I have a a wide cross section of people that I deal with um, kids in their 20s who are uh, dealing with a mother who is only 55 and has had a diagnosis, and spouses in their 90s who have to step into this role that's very unnatural for them, and everybody in between. So, really, anyone professional or not who is. Dealing with this situation, hearing about it from a friend who calls and spends an hour exhausting you, crying and venting, and the person feels like, I don't know what to say, those are my readers. That's my base
0: hmm Okay. Okay. So very, very wide. What will they find in terms of purchasing your book? I, I always find it interesting. Um, a couple of things. Why you picked the title and also why you laid your book out the way you did. I chose the title because I did
2: know as a writer that you are supposed to really give the reader a snapshot of what the person's going to get in those pages. So if I had written Strawberry Sky, <laughs> that might be beautiful, and there might be some significance figuratively about why I wrote it uh, and gave it that beautiful name. But the person would be thinking, what does this mean? So I I tried to summarize exactly what it was, and people are coping with this dilemma, with this problem, and they need effective solutions. So effective, I felt indicated there's a timely uh, result and my audience is really family caregivers. Although when you asked earlier about if professionals can read it, I did also think about professionals because I collaborate with other people in senior services and physicians and social workers and I wanted them to be able to understand what I'm sharing with families uh, because that helps them when they have someone in front of them. So I really wanted it also to be something that the person could sit down and in a few hours be able to say, I get this, I can do this. Um, I didn't want a huge fat book that would take weeks to wade through. And the way I structured it is I wanted a busy, overwhelmed caregiver to say, you know what, I can go back to a resource chapter, but I need to deal specifically with the, the chapter on, I have a brother who's completely in denial and uncooperative, and how do I speak to him? What am I going to do about that? Or the chapter of, I have a doctor that I don't feel is responsive or understanding mom. How can I communicate with him what we need from him? So the reader can pick and choose. There is a flow between the chapters, but if someone is particularly focused on getting information immediately in one area, that could be achieved.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well that is that is good to know. Um, you know, it's I just don't think we can have enough books. You know, my mom lived with dementia for thirty years. And when we started out this journey, I mean you couldn't find the squats <laughs> regarding yep. regarding books. And now there are quite a few that are that are out there, which is great because I think the more The more books we read, the more voices we listen to, the easier it is for us to figure out what's going to work for us in our own family. Um, Because there isn't, anyways, I don't believe there isn't, and maybe maybe you would argue this, but I don't believe there's a silver bullet. I think every person with dementia is individual. I think every care partner is, every family. And so what works for your friend dealing with the situation might not work for you. Have you found that to be true as well? All the time.
2: I when I get a call from someone who asks a blanket question like, "Gee, we think my mom should move to memory care. Where do you think she should go?" And I say, "I have no idea. I have not assessed your mother. I don't know if it's premature. I don't know if there's if there are certain circumstances that are going to impact the way I choose to go forward with my care plan. For instance, there are facilities that are excellent with behaviors and other ones where they simply don't have that expertise. Um, So sometimes people want to get a generalized answer and they don't understand that each person is unique. Personalities, histories, physical Conditions, uh, the type of dementia the person has, uh, that person's ability to cope throughout life and social skills, all of that is going to color the situation. So, yes, I'm trying really hard to raise the bar and um, let the public know this is serious business. These individuals with dementia deserve to have very personalized approaches to Mm -hmm. their dilemma and. I'm I'm with you 100% on that. And actually when you mention bookstores, a lot of people now of course use technology and go online for their purchasing, but there are still brick and mortars and I went to one of the biggest in the nation and there is half a shelf. That's it. Of books mm-hmm. on dementia, memory loss, family dealing with it that sort of Thing. And, you know, you look over and true crime has got a whole section and I just grimace because I think this is still something that I think needs to be legitimized, which is what you're trying to do and which is what I'm trying to do by sharing with with the public that this is here to stay and this is a condition that um, there are resources and there's help available. But I got to tell you, when I when I saw half a shelf of books, I was... A little perturbed by that and thought, okay, it's not getting its due quite yet. So, yes, the more the merrier in terms of books being introduced into the market. That's great. And um, uh, mine is one that has a particular perspective and purpose to it, and uh, I want people to know you can do this. Yep, exactly.
0: Well, and the other thing people might not be aware of is that a lot of the libraries are now having kind of dementia-friendly little sections. Um, So that's also another good place. And I don't know if you've placed your books um, in the libraries or notified them of that. But, you know, it's one of those things that's tough. It's like, do I go to the medical section? Do I go to self-help? What is this I'm dealing with here? Right. And, and that in itself is, is really confusing. And so it's been really super fun to see that they are setting up actual sections with a variety of books and resources in many of our public libraries now as well. So that's absolutely, um, a fantastic, uh, fantastic resource for people as well on that. That is Uh, great. Yeah, yeah. It really is neat to see in the, in the libraries, you know, if, if they don't have it in your section and you're listening, tell them to go apply for some funds because the library, uh, the National Association does have funds for that. I know here in um, Rosedale and Shoreview, I believe they were the first to start this concept and That librarian wrote about it to the association and many others have done that. I know a a group up north, I think they got like $90,000 and they did um, 11 different libraries up north. And um, they even have um, some kind of like almost care packages that you can sign out for a couple of weeks that have a variety of things. So they'll have um, like a, a book like yours to help um, care partners. They'll have an engagement piece, a music piece, and you can keep it, you know, and use it for, like I said, a couple of weeks, then go back home or go back to the library, exchange it for another one. Some are doing for specific, you know, have packets for specific types of dementia. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Up north they're doing things where um, – you know, because a lot of them are farmers and things, so they have like dirt and seeds and whole, um, so that they can really, you know, smell the dirt and get their get their hands with the texture, and um, so it's it's pretty. It, it, there's no there's no limit to the possibilities. I guess is the best way to um, to be able to say that with that. So that's, that is fantastic. That, isn't that cool? I just I just love that's that. That's very cool. I was just yeah. in the library
2: last week because I love to read, and I've, I grew up going to libraries and supporting libraries, and I was just thinking I need to get a hold of um, some librarians that I know and say, where are you with this? So you just motivated me to do
0: that. Oh, good, good. And it's a really a fun, I think, rewarding project for everybody because, um, you know, and then you can even do, um, and if you don't do this, you could have someone else come in and, and even uh, train the staff on becoming dementia friendly. What does that mean and what should they look for if somebody maybe is wandering or is having difficulty checking out? Um, some of them I know here in the Twin Cities, they have like this massive outreach. So people who can't come, they will deliver the books to them. And I just oh, think I that love that. that. I know. I, and it was funny because I live in the Twin Cities and Minneapolis is like, oh, yeah, we've got, I don't know, I want to say 30 staff and I couldn't, don't quote me on that, doing this. And I'm like, well, on the St. Paul side, we're not, do, I don't think we're doing any of that, you know, and now the St. Paul side has gotten involved with doing some of that stuff too. But, you know, again, it just, it, you know, it all depends. If there's, if there's a person with passion someplace, you know, the door is wide open and anything is possible. So hop on the train and help support them. You know, that's kind of how I, I look at it with that. Well, let's let's go back mm. to talking about your book, again, Coping with Dementia, Effective Solutions to Family Caregiving, um, you know, when they're in dilemmas. What have you found that people have been the most surprised about after reading your book? You know what they're surprised about?
2: Well, there's two things, actually. One is that... What they instinctually want to do or do is often mm-hmm. not the best thing to do.
1: They're mm-hmm. surprised
2: by that. The most exciting thing that they're surprised by is to find out how quickly they can turn things around. Because I have one key point or principle that's emphasized in the book, that if that person embraces that particular principle, it mm-hmm. will change everything. My, my readers, my clients, the people I work with are bright, bright capable people who've managed life for the most part well in many circumstances. They've raised families, they've worked, they've been responsible citizens. They've been people who feel like, you know what, I've, I've done life with, with a, a, pretty, a pretty good uh, skill set. And yet they are stuck. The words I hear most frequently from callers are overwhelmed, stuck, confused, terrified, depressed, sleepless and so what's exciting for me when I first started working with families I'd often hear well how quickly do you think things could move and I said I don't know a day or two and they were shocked and Mm -hmm. I told them and it's not going to be me folks I'm guiding the process but it's going to be you you're the one who's going to change not even your loved one it's going to be all about you and when the person understands and embraces what I'm Uh, emphasizing in the book, there's this shift that occurs. And all of a sudden, language that used to be very ambiguous, I think, I hope, if luck will have it, um, gosh, I'm not sure, I'll try, all that kind of vague, half-hearted, uncertain type of language goes away. And it's replaced with, I can, I will, I did, I'm doing. And that's really exciting,
0: really Mm -hmm. exciting. Yep. Yep. Oh, for sure. For sure. And again, I, I think we've been kind of sold a bill of goods that this has to be complicated and it has to be difficult in order to a lot of times raise funds. You know, you, you need us by your side in order to, in order to, you know, go down this path. And I, I've just found, you know, this, the more simpler we can make the process, um, the the quicker people can turn it around, um, the more belief they have in terms of what is possible. Uh, I, I I mean the list just kind of goes on and on and on and on from from what I what I see out there. And yeah. it really is about giving people hope and yeah. um, learning to live graciously alongside the disease instead of you know oh woe is me. Um, there's nothing I can do, there's no cure. Um, you know, this is this is all there is, and there's just so much more than that. Um, right.
2: And and this it's all over, it's done, and that's not true. That's yep. not true. So and yep. I don't know if you encounter this, Lori, um, but I found there's still a degree of silence and shame and denial happening oh, with yeah. people. And I kind of liken it to how alcoholism used to be viewed. Mm-hmm. And then alcoholism became uh, a a disease process that people understood this was not a moral um, failing on the part mm-hmm. of the person. Mm-hmm. And dementia, I still see families that barely can whisper the name. And one of the barriers I... I break down is I talk about it openly. I talk about mm-hmm. it like it's no different than a broken leg that you have mm-hmm. to deal with. And when families begin to see uh, that this is something that's been recognized and uh, legitimized in that sense, and it's okay to talk about it, this is not some family a source of shame and embarrassment that should be hidden from everybody else. And we need to just kind of deal with it really on the on the quiet when
1: mm-hmm. they know
2: that, you know what, it's okay, this happens. And it this is just another challenge that we have to go through. And life isn't over. Life is altered, but it's not over. And once they can get past that and begin to focus on, okay, you know what, I can see this as a chance to grow myself as Mm -hmm. well as help my loved one.
0: It's a game changer. Yep. Yep. No, I, I totally, totally agree. And people are going to be more creative. Um, They're going to be more helpful to others. Uh, They're going to live a better life if they're able to live one with hope. Um, I, I strongly, strongly believe that and everything doesn't have to be doom and gloom and and getting people to understand too, that, you know life is about adaptation and this is another thing that we have to adapt to and people are living with all kinds of chronic illnesses out there and why can't it be more comfortable for the rest of us you know dealing with dementia there's to me there's absolutely no reason that that should not be possible for us to yeah. uh, us to participate in um now, you know, one of the things that I found in, in reading your book, and I, I loved a lot of your, your chapters here. I'm just gonna name a couple of them. Warning signs I think is really important. Love on the rocks, um, sibling <laughs> rivalry, convincing uh the, the caregiving spouse, because there's so much denial that can be um that can be had in this whole thing on everybody's side. Um talking about mental health, you've got in there Um, You talk about adult day and respite and how to choose a a community and, you know, what do you do to arrange a tour? What what do you even ask? Um, You know, there's just so many things. Um, How do you get a doctor to really support you? Um, So many of them aren't educated as well as they should be, in my personal opinion, Regarding dementia, and your list just kind of goes on and on. I mean, you even have stuff on clothing guidelines, um, spiritual care. Um, it, it's just it's a wonder. Support groups, which is something that, that people really need to know about. So lots of good good information that you have packed into this book, and it's one that you know is um, easy to tuck into your uh, tuck into your purse. And um, you know, take it with you when you go to the coffee shop just to relax a little bit <laughs> and, and get educated. And and one that is also what what a great gift this would make uh, for a family who is just starting this journey. Um, or you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of people out there too that aren't just starting, but they're starting to get serious about getting help and opening up that yes. door yes. as well. Yes. Do you do you have a, a favorite chapter? That you that you were just drawn into. Uh, I love
2: effective communication. That's one fun one for me because that's one that surprises families, and I get a lot of questions from families who have trotted out the old tried and true methods of of communication back and forth, and they're finding it's failing miserably when they are dealing with a loved one who perhaps uh, thinks that that family caregiver is the mom from 50 years ago that mm-hmm. he had antagonism towards or um perhaps you're stealing from me i'm positive you're stealing from me and i'm accusing you of this and the family member is weeping very upset mm-hmm. about that and you mm-hmm. know begging and pleading and saying i would never do that how could you accuse me of that and it goes round and round and round and they learn okay I need to understand that I need to go 100% into that person's world and not expect Mm -hmm. that person to come into my world at all. And how do you do that? And Mm -hmm. people find out that they not only can do it well, they can keep a sense of humor about it. And in their relaxed delivery, their loved one also calms down because Mm -hmm. that person is not staring into the face of an adult daughter who's tearful or indignant or, 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 Shocked or stunned, um, but that person's just handling it. So mm-hmm. I really, I'm very big on dignity. I was raised to understand advocacy at a young age because when I was six, my sister with Down syndrome was born. And that was an event that shocked me out of my world of being a little diva, the cute little mm-hmm. youngster who who just thought the world was revolving around her and when I saw this needy child and the serious looks on my parents face faces and then when mom sat me down and said all of us have something to give there is always someone in the world that needs what you have and we are to to be uh, available to help that person at all times that is a, a gift we've been given and I never forgot that and as I was mentioning earlier when I liken the need for awareness regarding dementia and how to view a person with dementia and how to interact with dementia being similar to the challenges people used to have of alcoholism. I see so much similarity. Um, you don't see on TV programs anymore um, the town drunk stumbling in, making a comment and being laughed at. Um, people have re- grown to respect that this um, is a disease that is has to be um, taken very seriously medically and psychologically and and with the proper treatment to restore dignity to that person. And with families, I want them to understand that dignity is very, very important. I don't want them to simply learn how to, to manage the care of somebody. I want them to understand this is a whole person who we can engage with and, and, continue to draw that person into life and help that person to feel very important and that life has color and meaning and purpose. So I'm very starchy about that. And raising the bar is very important because then the way people approach dealing with the problem, it gives them a whole new standard. And uh-huh. it's in a more exciting standard to me than simply mm-hmm. caretaking. Yep, yep.
0: It, exactly, exactly. It's um it's just such an incredible journey with so many um beautiful life lessons, you know, wrapped in yes. this whole thing. What um you know you know, for for me personally, I, that was as much as I wouldn't wish this disease on my worst enemy. I am so thankful that I was able to go on this journey with my mom because of the life lessons. Did you find that too, for yourself that wow, um, it, it just helped me look at life differently or because of your background were you already there? You know, I don't think you're ever all
2: there because when it when it hits close to home your feelings are going to be really wrapped around it. I was very grateful that I had a lot of experience of thirty something years that I could bring to it and not start from scratch. And uh-huh. and also to to feel a little more credible with my clients that I was also having to do what I was sharing with people and so that was good. Um, it was the hardest time probably in my life logistically because there was a lot of care managing um, with dad who was in his 90s and slowing down, and he needed constant counsel and propping up and support. But I also knew enough not to try to burn myself out And to share with family and request of them what I needed from them and how they could contribute and what they could do to feel um, connected and what they could do to feel like they were a part of mom's life. And so it it was the hardest time, but it was definitely also the richest time because you have to be unselfish. You mm-hmm. can't be immersed in your own stuff when there's somebody who really needs you. And it was a fun experience in the sense that I was able to help my mom. For instance, mom had always sat by the, the pool or at the lake or at the water, never went in the water with us when we were kids. And we grew up in SoCal in the seventies, which was hot as blazes. And mm-hmm. I always felt bad. And I asked her once, mom, why don't you ever get in the water? And she was, She told me she nearly drowned as a child. Well, when Mom, I knew Mom had no recollection of any of that and that she wouldn't have some of those fears, Um, I was able to go with her in a three-foot deep, very warm, comfortable, beautiful pool and float with my arms around her, and she felt very safe, and we talked. And it was a very special moment that I'd always wanted to go swimming with Mom and have time recreationally because she worked and gave so much. And it was hard to to see her relax sometimes. And I was able to create a new memory and a new experience. And she got the pleasure from that. And uh, that was very, very precious to me. Mm-hmm. So oh, I told yeah. the family, we are not to be distracted by the nitty gritty. I do not want any of us to look back on the last years of mom's life and think, Back to difficult conversations about trying to get her in the shower or um, being upset that she couldn't do certain things. We are in the game of making new memories, of making this lady feel as terrific as she can. Because a lot of times people will focus on the physical aspect of caretaking, like I mentioned earlier, and sometimes the cognitive work, but the emotional component is just as important. That person every day needs to feel really good by a lot of validation and shared experiences and it doesn't matter if the experiences have been altered or augmented or adapted you have the experience and you make it a rich one so in Mm -hmm. many many ways those even though I never wanted dementia in my mom and there were things that I felt I I was sorry she couldn't be a part of I I got engaged that year Mm -hmm. the last year of her life. Knew it wouldn't be possible to take her to the wedding. It would have been very disorienting to take her out of her environment and um, distracting and and hard for for everybody. So, you know what? When I got engaged, I said, I'm going to change this up. And she was the first person to see the ring. The next morning after I got engaged, I drove over to her home and I thanked her for the fact that she was really how I met my husband many years ago. And I brought the dress to her and I shared the pictures from the shower and I asked her about her wedding. And that whole year I just made different types of memories with mom and included her in my happiness and the journey of getting uh, engaged and then married. So, yes, like you mentioned earlier, it's all about adaptation. Yep.
0: Oh, how beautiful though to include her you know where she, where she is and how she'd understand to be part of that, and then to know that she was the one that introduced you too um that's that's pretty cool too um you know one yes. of your one of your chapters here is putting your house in order, and I think you know to me there's two levels to that and i I think one is kind of the the legal legalities and things like that that we that we hear about, and the other one is kind of that. Spiritual, emotional um, house within us is well. Um, can you can you talk about putting your house in order and what that means to you? There's so many different elements to that.
2: Um, the with my clients, the first thing I always look at is the medical status. Mm-hmm. I would say a good seventy percent of the people I work with have not adequately been uh, treated. They mm-hmm. have not seen the right person, not received an order or a referral or a recommendation. Um, a lot of times there's a glaring physical problem or a behavioral issue that hasn't been addressed. So we always want to take that apart first to stabilize things. Uh, legally, often there's issues because the families. Um, are dealing with someone who has a trust that's forty years old, and maybe you have a power of attorney who's in complete denial and lives three thousand miles away, and uh, controls the checkbook. And families want to take advantage of, of resources and help, and they feel completely unempowered to do so. Um, there's, there's of course the family dynamics and. The division of labor or people sharing responsibility, and sometimes that's got to get addressed. There's, of course, the physical in terms of often mom is in a house that's unsafe. A fall risk was wonderful in 1970 when they built it with the three different With the tri-level and the conversation pit and far too much accumulation of stuff over the years, Um, maybe there's an interloper living there and (laughs) a person is taking advantage financially. So there's all these different things um, that make up putting your house in order. But you've got to get some stability um, so you can introduce help and support.
0: Um, Well, and I think that. that I think that's important, too, when you talk about, you know, somebody there who really isn't in the interest of, of the, um, the one they're caring for. I, I think that happens more frequently than what it's really talked about, because it appears safe and it appears okay for a while um, when people, when other people in the family just don't really want to deal with it sometimes. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an easy out. Do you see that?
2: I, I I hear of that a lot. I'm 90% done with my second book, which is called The Caregiving Con, and that mm-hmm. has to do with this very subject because I see this a great deal. I've had quite a few cases that I nicknamed guest pest removal, where <laughs> we need to art <laughs> we need to artfully. Get that person away from the senior and often it's a family member, sometimes Mm -hmm. a stranger, sometimes a housekeeper. But in all cases, you have someone capitalizing on the fact that there is a person who's unable to manage his or her own affairs and has recognized the disconnect between family
1: who mm-hmm. may have
2: tried and not not had the tools and been shut down by mom or dad and thought heck with it I'll go back to work and hope and pray nothing happens and this person slides right on in and recognizes there's an opening for me and I'm going to scratch that person's back and send the message you can scratch mine too and I'm aware that this senior is afraid terrified of change and terribly proud and uh, aware that there's some degree of confusion and memory loss happening, and yet not taking the initiative because of either emotional unwillingness or the the cognitive deficits are so pronounced that the person just really doesn't know how to do it. And this interloper wedges right on in and begins to slowly and uh, and subtly, and then more dramatically later, uh, take over, take over the money, take over the running of the house convince the person to have an attorney change the trust and put that person in charge marry um, mm-hmm. in some cases so yes I see it a great deal because this is a this is an easy scam to perpetrate if you just know what to look for and then how to present yourself.
0: Oh my gosh that actually happened to my parents my my dad had a, three great aunts and um one of them was married and they they all passed away and then it was uncle Roy was left to care for and a friend of theirs stepped in who was a neighbor and said well i'll you know i'll I'll just keep an eye on him now my dad had gotten laid off some money was tight well then they find out that she has turned the she's gotten his power of attorney she's flipped the house into her name she sold the car gave the car actually to her son my dad did not get one thing
2: okay
0: one not one nickel not anything she just once she got that she wouldn't even let them come over and visit and like i said my, my folks were in a situation where they really didn't feel like they could hire an attorney But it was devastating. It was just absolutely devastating. And this was, oh my gosh, this was a lot, a lot of years ago, Um, probably fifty, sixty years ago, when this wasn't even talked about. And so there was a lot of there was a lot of in it too that this could even happen to you. Um, And it was it was so it was just such a whole. I just remember. Not totally understanding because I was a teenager, but knowing enough that the, that both my parents were upset, devastated and angry um, and, and just felt defeated all at once. I mean, the the whole heritage, there was lots of, of just even little odds and ends they would have cherished mm-hmm. just from um, family legacy that was just tossed. I'm sure she just wrote out, probably didn't even have a sale, you know, it was just. It was it was horrible. So I'm,
2: I'm glad you're Happened. writing that book. Yes, it's it's a widespread epidemic in the billions, and that's they estimate probably I think it's several hundred billion dollars of monies have been stolen, and that taking into account that half the time it's not reported. Yep. and that's only cash there's also jewelry there's also um access to other funds i've i've worked with quite a few families where hundreds of thousands or millions were taken and oh, yeah. part of that goes back to the societal and the familial discomfort with dealing with this subject and people often when i when i ask them okay so what plans have you made for the future uh they will reel off oh i've Purchased a plot. I've written a trust. I've, you know, uh, laid out what I'm going to do uh, when I die. And the point is, but what if you survive a condition or a catastrophic illness? And people, a lot of times, practically, philosophically, emotionally, they have not planned. They have not Mm -hmm. sat down with their families. They've been so uncomfortable in this Mm -hmm. youth-loving culture with talking about this, and so it not thought about. And that's why so many of my colleagues and I uh, get dismayed because our industry is still referred to as crisis driven. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of calls from people that have done nothing. And then somebody's been defrauded, wandered away from home, set the house on fire because didn't realize you can't leave all the burners on and had some sort of significant Detrimental problem, and they're in the hospital now, and they will survive. And the hospital says, "Okay, she's going to be discharged tomorrow." And the family's not ready. Yeah, and all this goes back to the level of comfort that people need to have in terms of planning, because you can prevent this type of fraud and this type of abuse. This is abuse um, mm-hmm. from occurring, but it all goes back to the comfort level of the person and the families are the ones that have to first become comfortable. They have to first put the mask on their own face because they will drop the ball in trying to deal with their loved one or initiate any kind of change. And these these charlatans, Know a good deal when they see it. I mean, if you knock over mm-hmm. a liquor store, that's a one-time payoff, and you can't return. But you get in the good graces of somebody who is failing, and there is a disconnect between that person and the family. You've got you've got a nice a nice pension earmarked yep. for you. Yep. So, gotta stop. Got to go back to pe- people being comfortable with the subject, being knowledgeable about what to do, and especially know how to deal with their own emotions and their interpersonal relationships if they're rocky yep
0: yep exactly it it is um it, it's so dangerous not to talk about these things and people don't understand it until they're in that crisis mode and you know I would love to see kids um when they graduate getting these powers of attorney and getting their affairs in order health care directives just because it's normal, not because it's scary, not because you're getting old and going to die. Anything can happen to any of us any time. And to be able to have an open right. conversation about this is really, really important. Um, and so right. often a person can be intimidated very, very easily uh, in this right. process. I mean, I've had families where they have gotten all their affairs in order and then someone stepped in to kind of override a power of attorney um, Mm -hmm. and tell them, don't tell anybody. I'll just take care of this. This is what you want. And they feel intimidated. So they do. And then everything gets changed and nobody, nobody has a clue what's going on until the very, and then it's it's too late.
2: And usually the problem lies in the fact that on some level that, well-meaning family member was uncomfortable interacting with the loved one with dementia and mm-hmm. the other person is more comfortable and that mm-hmm. person is able to position himself in a place of strength and the family members I can't tell you how many I've dealt with who called me just saying I cannot believe my loser brother is now mom's POA or has mm-hmm. taken over the house she signed the house over to him and it that can be avoided But you've got to be able to understand how to view your parent, interact with your parent, understand your feelings, recognize the disease for what it is and learn to be on top. The Bible will say the head and not the tail. And Mm -hmm. uh, once family members can recognize any of their own insecurities, and their own fears, and maybe there's a long history, and maybe that um, well-meaning family member who's doing the level best was never treated well by the parent. Um, But nonetheless, you have to learn how to be confident in your own skin that you can guide this. And once you can do that, I can't tell you how many people we've been able to get out the door without Mm a confrontation. We haven't had to go to court. We haven't had to do any of that. We just artfully outmaneuver the person because it's a chess game.
0: It is, and I think part of not only knowing yourself but knowing the family dynamics and being realistic with that, because
1: yes. when
0: you when you have someone in your family who has been and who has been a significant. Um, Kind of thorn in the side in the family, maybe always getting into trouble and doing different things. And and I don't want to say everybody does this, so please don't get me wrong. Um, but I see this often. And then all of a sudden they come around and befriend. And, and the parents just thrilled, like, oh, they've changed. I finally get yeah. to see my son or daughter and and it's a game, but again, that can be with a son or daughter who has always been there. That um, all of a sudden money changes. I, I've had that happen again in my own family with with in laws and stuff, and oh shocked, yeah, just shocked. It's just like no, this is not going down this way. This isn't even legal, and um, but people it's a, it's a it's so strange to me how much people don't understand the process and the discomfort and what people feel that they are owed and at what time. Um, right. I, had, I had one couple where they uh, this was back when I was selling real estate. They wanted to sell their house and they were fearful of putting a sign in the yard. Because the mm. I want to say the wife had died and he remarried, and the kids felt when that house was sold that they would get their you know their portion of their mother's estate, mm. even though it all went to the dad. And wow. I mean the bizarre stories that are out there are endless. They're truly endless. So if you have a family that's all working you know together, kudos to you because in my estimation. You are a rare entity Uh, in the whole scheme of things. (laughs) Yes. If you have a family that's working
2: together, most families have one holdout or somebody that's really struggling. And unless the person has criminal intent, you can bring that person around. But I never put a care plan together until I have got the family on one page. That's why my business is called Alliance Family Advocates. It's implied I'm going to help the senior with dementia. But the people I have to get steady and ready to go are the family. And until they are all on the same page, we can't move forward because it will get sabotaged. But usually with family members, if there's a holdout, it's often the person who's far away, hasn't been exposed as much. It could be someone really, really frightened of inheriting dementia or Mm -hmm. particularly close has always been close to that parent and feeling like my emotional support is gone and really grieving it. Um, But most people, once they're able to work through, some of those emotions, and that's why I address some of that in the book, uh, they're able to to join in and be part of things. And if there is a person there whose intentions are not honorable, then we have to simply maneuver around that person, make sure that person is not in control, which is why you do have to put your house in order slowly and methodically so that you give that person no ability to to move and to, to uh, cause damage but um emotions you used that word earlier and the problem all goes back to the fact that these, these situations are chaotic because emotion based decisions are what's being made and mm-hmm. what are being made and the person with dementia is is operating from a, a place of instinct and fear and i've got to protect myself and i and especially if that person has more advanced dementia that person is going back to more primal instincts of just, just, I just need to make sure I'm safe. And Mm -hmm. so that person cannot be brought into um, planning and families often will make mistakes like that and call me crying saying, you know, I don't understand. I thought we could move her somewhere or I thought we could agree to home care. And she was fine yesterday. And today she said, absolutely not. And I have to tell them, you have to, work on her behalf, but to enlist Mm -hmm. her in this is not going to work because she is going off her emotions and feelings in the moment. And families often have gotten so fried in the process and they're grieving and they're upset and they're also trying to juggle jobs and families and all these other pressures that are coming down on them. They're making decisions with their emotions. They snap at the brother that Mm -hmm. is the interloper or they uh, nag mom and then there's a big blowout and they drive away angrily or they uh, can't can't listen to their spouse and are squabbling with the spouse who's tired of hearing about mom because mm-hmm. all you do is complain about your mother but you won't listen to me and they're making emotion based decisions and somebody's got to get back to a place of rational reasonable thought and planning. And I always tell them, sit on a beach later and sort out your emotions right now. You need to go into being a very cool, efficient um, organizer and manager. And when you can do that, um, you will be able to, to manage this thing and your emotions will catch up with you. They'll catch mm-hmm. up. If you can just act on faith and just do what you need to do and keep your, your emotions at bay, you're going to suddenly feel good about the progress you're seeing, and then you'll reconcile the two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It, it, but it's it, a it, very it, it,
2: emotion-driven it, it, problem. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah, it it really, really is. And, I mean, we could talk about, oh, my gosh, all the different scenarios um, till the cows come home because there is no end. To how this works out. I mean, I, I, I alone have some just crazy, crazy stories um, that I've been personally involved in, and then and then other ones that I've heard. But I do want to make sure that we get people to your website uh, so that they know yes. how to contact you and also um, get get your book. So they can go to AllianceFamilyAdvocates.com, AllianceFamilyAdvocates.com. And you can also find your book on Amazon. And is it in the bookstores as well? Or can they get it through your website too? They can just go to the website
2: and, um, I haven't been able to get to the bookstores yet because I am just swamped, but uh, mm-hmm. eventually, yes. <laughs> but if they go to Alliance Family Advocates, which is plural dot com, then, um, or Amazon, they can get the book.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was just filled with great information. I highly encourage people to pick up um, Rosemary's book, Coping with Dementia, Effective Solutions to Family Caregiving Dilemmas, because Lord knows there's just way too many of them. <laughs> um, and and she has <laughs> such wonderful, wonderful advice for you here to to guide you through. And then don't forget, she does do coaching, too. So um, mm-hmm. there's additional help and support or mediation with families. Uh, I know no one wants to go there, but sometimes that's just where we need to go. So until next time, have a wonderful week. We're going to hear from um, the Alls authors. And, um, again, we'll we'll see you on Thursday. Bye now. Thank you, Rosemary. Bye-bye. Thank you,
1: Lori. Bye-bye. Hello, podcast listener. If you're caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's or dementia, you'll want to check out All's Authors, the global community of authors writing about Alzheimer's and dementia from personal experience. We have the most comprehensive collection of hundreds of carefully vetted books and blogs covering all types of dementia and caring situations. Our authors' personal stories and painfully learned lessons can help you on your own journey. We also offer a fabulous podcast called Untangling Alzheimer's and Dementia, which you can find on any of your podcast platforms. Remember, you are not alone. One can sing a lonely song, but we chose to form a choir and create harmony. Find us at allsauthors.com.